love to teach. I know Larry's the same way because we, 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 we have such a passion for what we do. We want to share it with other people. There's nothing greater in the world than the sound of a kid saying, I did it. And, uh, oh, you know, seeing, seeing an adult who, and adults don't get those kind of little wins as much as kids anymore. They've already, kids get little wins all the time, you know, they, but, uh, as far as like that, you know, the, the good grade on a paper maybe, or the, or the, the first uh, paper route or something like that. But adults, once we're adults, we don't get those very much. We, every, you know, five years, maybe we'll get a promotion or a, a you know, a new car or something. But so watching them with a little win, you know, like they, they've been working on this, the skill and they got it. So it's just as exciting to see with adults too. Hello listeners, and welcome to our holiday show at Razzle Dazzle Radio. And we have a show for you today with two special guests, two great performers. I love them both. And I'm going to turn it over to my co-host and co-producer, Judy Templeton, to take it away and find out everything you can about these two guys. Okay, Carol, and I already know a lot, but the audience doesn't. So let's see what they will reveal. And yes, you are so right. These are superstars of Columbia and beyond that have been contributing in the arts and to all of the beautiful people around. They have changed lives through the arts and done so many great things. I can't wait to help them self-promote and I will be promoting as well. So, all right, let's start with Larry Friedman. If you haven't heard Larry sing, then shame on you because he just is amazing. He has a voice that is the voice of an angel, but it's strong and it hits every note. Please find a way to hear him sing if you haven't. So on top of him being a professional singer, he's a vocal coach, he's a producer, he's a director, and he is so many more things as well. Uh, he's worked with Toby's for quite a while. We always like to hear a little bit about your colorful past. So tell us how it all got started, Larry, whenever, how long ago. Oh, good morning, Judy. Wow, good what a morning. wonderful intro. Thank you so very much to both you and Carolyn for allowing me to come share some time and uh, have some fun with you this morning. Well, it did start a while ago uh, mm -hmm. when I was a child. I had the good fortune of discovering uh, this incredible, dynamic, artistic force by the name of Toby Ornstein. Hmm. Time she was teaching at a private school in Tacoma Park, Maryland. And uh, I had the good fortune of traveling with her from that location to a school that she had put up in Burnbray Dinner Theater for a while. And from there, with the help of uh, Larry Wolf under the supervision of Jim Rouse, set up the Columbia School for Theatrical Arts. So I have uh, had the privilege of performing with Toby and through that area of Columbia since I was a child. I also had the opportunity when I was a kid to do a television show. There was a show called Mulligan Stew that was on NBC. Oh, yes. And so I was cast as Mulligan in that show. Very fortunate to be joined by two other performers who also were under the, the mentorship of Toby. Out of 1,500 kids in the area that auditioned for this show, three of them were Toby's students who got cast. So that was a pretty cool experience. You know, from there, I continued on working in television. I did a couple of films, but mostly live stage has been the, the focus and the heart 
of where my passion is. I love being in front and with people. And I've had some other wonderful opportunities. I was on the road for two years with the national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar with the stars of the film, Ted Neely as Jesus and Carl Anderson as Judas. And uh, that was an amazing opportunity. Aside from that performance-wise, right now what I'm doing, uh, I have two marvelous friends, one by the name of Prince Havely, another by the name of Gay Willis. And the three of us have a Broadway concert series that we perform uh, around the area, pretty much private events at this point. We've done some great things. We've worked at the French Embassy and done a show at the Warner and uh, just some wonderful, wonderful opportunities. But that's kind of what I'm doing now in terms of performing. Aside from that, as you mentioned, I am a vocal coach and I have a practice where I get to work with folks uh, on a daily basis to try and help them realize some of the wonderful opportunities I've gotten to experience. I guess what I'm trying to say is I probably have more fun than most people you know. I feel pretty well, lucky. you know, I think people in the arts, we love what we do and we do what we love. So I think Absolutely. that's what sets us apart oh, yes. for sure all the yeah. time. And yeah, we're just that little extra happier because of that. And, and I think that's what helps us. And we've talked a lot about that. We talked about that through the pandemic, but thank God we all had that. So let's just segue now to our next guest, because both of you know each other. And so we'll talk about that connection in a second. So Greg May is a clown. Yup. He really, really is. He was a clown as a kid. He is a clown as an adult. He just didn't get paid as a kid, but he got paid when he turned into an adult. And I kind of saw it coming. And I, I don't like to talk age and numbers, but I have known him since he was a very young boy. And he was destined to be a clown. He said he was joining the circus. And gosh, a lot of people did, but he did it. The story even gets better. He met a gorgeous showgirl, and doggone if he didn't take her and married her, brought her back and started his own kind of clown college here in Columbia. So if that doesn't give you chills up your spine, I don't know what will. And it's all true. Superstar Larry and Greg knew each other from, of course, the force that we always give credit to, and that is our dear Toby Orenstein. So Greg, talk about your connection, or both of you talk about your connection there, and then we'll find out all the juicy details of some of your circus stories. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's a pleasure to be here and a joy to hang out with Larry again. So yeah, Toby's was a, a, a great experience for me because, so as, as you mentioned, I grew up in musical theater with you and my mom as the director. My first kiss was on stage. I mean, that's you know from Did the I very beginning that? of my life. <laughs> and yeah. so I started in musical theater with you and my mom and at around 10 years old. And my mom would always teach people how to juggle. And that's when I learned to juggle. And I started talking about wanting to join the circus. And I continued that musical theater. But then I left to join the circus. And I was out of, out of musical theater for uh, three or four, maybe five years or so. And I came back to Columbia after traveling. And uh, I got the opportunity uh, to audition for Joseph at Toby's, uh, which needs a whole lot of guys, which is why I think I was able to yep. make it in. All those <laughs> brothers, yep. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember lying on the floor during rehearsal, uh, face down on the floor during the gravel, gravel, cringe. And I'm, I'm feeling the stage lights and I'm hearing the audience and I'm thinking, 
God, it's good to be back in musical theater. So I, I love circus and it's what I built my entire life around. But there's something about theater and about that place, that building, that spot. And we talked a little bit earlier about the camaraderie that you build in live theater. It's hard to see that happen in other places. I've tried on other jobs. I really have. I tried to take a corporate kind of job and, you know, people were saying, well, what are you going to do when the person tells you that, you know, tells you to do something you don't agree with? And I said, well, I'll, I'll just explain that they're wrong. And uh, <laughs> you know, that, that didn't work. So, uh, you know, I kept going back to theater and the, you know, the friendships you build there, the relationships you build there are, are not the same uh, as other workplaces. It's, uh, it's a fascinating experience. Once you get together again, it's like you never, you never left them and the time passes so quickly. A hundred percent agree. Absolutely. <laughs> oh. So, okay. So you, you met Doran Joseph then you met Larry Doran Joseph. Uh, I met, um, I met his wife first, Debbie. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then I don't, I don't know if Larry, I don't know if you and I've ever shared the, shared the stage. I don't think we have. Formally. I've just always <laughs> been in the audience really appreciating your work. But, well, uh, maybe we should change that moving forward too. Who knows? Oh, maybe there's a collaboration ahead. We love <laughs> to we love to network. We love to be Yentas here, don't we, um, Carolyn, and hook things. I up. like I like to produce, so maybe a, a two man show, right? Uh, <laughs> I would you sing go. for Greg anytime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Working so, with the pros. All right, so now you're back from the circus, and you join up with Toby's, uh, Greg. So then take us to then how you started your school here. Uh, well, I started uh, teaching. I love to teach. I know Larry's the same way because we, 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 we have such a passion for what we do. We want to share it with other people. There's nothing greater in the world than the sound of a kid saying, I did it. And uh, you know, seeing, seeing an adult who, and adults don't get those kind of little wins as much as kids anymore. They've already, kids get little wins all the time, you know, they, but uh, as far as like that, you know, the, the good grade on a paper maybe, or the, or the, the first uh, paper out or something like that. But adults, once we're adults, we don't get those very much. We, every, you know, five years, maybe we'll get a promotion or a, a you know, a new car or something. But so watching them with a little win, you know, like they, they've been working on this, the skill and they got it. So it's just as exciting to see with adults too. I started teaching a lot of summer camps and that grew and some of the kids that I started building this with, and this was at the Greenbelt Community Center, great group of people. Chris Cherry down there is a kindred soul to all of us performance-wise. Uh, he's as loving and sharing and caring as, as Toby and as my mom, as Betty, as the people who don't just perform the arts but create the arts. They created this atmosphere where we could grow these circus kids and they became so good. I was really getting challenged to continue to teach them more. So I had to open a school <laughs> to do it. And I opened up, uh, so I did that back up here in Columbia, uh, opened up a small school. It's just like a gymnastics school, except that it teaches circus arts. So we taught along with juggling and unicycling and stilt walking, we brought in the aerials. We taught fabric trapeze, we taught static bar trapeze, hmm. we taught tight rope walking. And I, I uh, ran that school for about five years. That is, that is quite amazing, I'm telling you. So tell us a little about your life in the circus. That's sort of I want to hear about. What was that like? Is it like what we think it is or is it? Well, um, tell us. 
Yes and no. There's a lot of things that are the very romantic kind of story of it. We lived on a circus train. I met my wife there. You know, we uh, hung out on the vestibule of the train and watched the world go by. We'd call home to let our parents to say hi. They'd ask us where where we were. We'd have no idea. Uh, this was before cell phones, before internet, before any of that. So we're completely disconnected. Therefore, your circus family is your family. Sure. And so all of that romantic nature of the of the of that kind of thing is all there. But then you layer in the reality of it, because that on that circus train, my room was three feet wide by six feet long. That's the whole space. And I was lucky because I got the whole space to myself. Some people had to bunk it where there was a bunk in that space. And uh, Cheryl, as a dancer, she had the same thing, a three foot by six foot room. And then we got married. And after we got married, they took away our two three foot by six foot rooms. I was going to say. <laughs> and they gave us one five foot by six foot room so <laughs> so you know and then and then the excitement of having the circus be your family it also meant that total disconnect from your loved ones and the inability to reach out and contact them again it's before the before you know cellular data plans so uh i didn't my father had gotten ill and had a surgery prior to you know, he had already had his first surgery before I even knew he was sick. There's pluses and minuses to everything in the world, and, and certainly it is with that, too. I did love how you used the word clown. The art form is near and dear to my heart, and that word has been changed over the last oh, decade. I know that. And it means because... something entirely different now. How I do don't... you feel about that? Uh, very strongly, but I've, I've learned to kind of adapt with it because so many people feel that way and they just don't understand the definition of clown. And I've decided it's not that they don't understand it. It's that the definition has been, I think, permanently changed. Yeah. And un it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. When people hear clown in America, this is American mm -hmm. pop yeah. culture. They right. think one thing. They think uh, the scary clown, it and poltergeist and all those movies that, that I enjoyed too, you know, and that scared me too. And Stephen King tapped into something. Let me I tell you, he, say, tapped, he it, most did. it took it to another place, right? Right. Yep. And so I'll explain to my circus students, I say, you know, if a person put on a doctor's coat and went out into the woods and started scaring people, the news wouldn't be saying doctors are in the woods scaring people they would say people dressed up as doctors are out there scaring people whereas you know people were doing this it's not quite bad now but maybe about 10 years ago when my school was running because they came and interviewed me about it there are lots of people doing that like on purpose and i'd say those aren't clowns those are people dressed up like clowns if i put on a doctor's coat it doesn't make me a doctor and when i if a doctor Go takes off doctor. their doctor coat they're still a doctor so i'm still a clown but I use the term circus artist. I use circus arts performer. I use new vaudeville entertainer. I use juggler, balloon artist. And I do all the same stuff and all the same physical comedy. And when someone tells me they hate clowns, I go, boy, why do you hate Robin Williams? He was phenomenal. <laughs> 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 and they look at me a little strange. So it's something we just had to learn to adapt around. Absolutely. Well, I think it just becomes something that that starts vibrating in a bigger way. And this is taken off that way. So I'm going to say I call a clown a clown. What did you want to say, Carolyn? Well, actually, I wanted to get back to Larry and find okay. out what it was like to tour with the musical because it's the same kind of thing. You uh, yeah, that's good. That's a good Right. I definitely relate to a lot of what Greg was saying. When I was touring, I did not have a cellular data plan, but I did have a little pager so that 
my wife wanted to contact me and she could make a phone call and then I could reach out or whoever else, you know, in my life that I needed to communicate with. But uh, you're you're very on point with the fact is, you, you know, your show family, whether it's a circus or your musical, but the performance group family indeed does become your family. You do everything together. We had Christmas together. We had Thanksgiving together. We did Easter or we every holiday because we would get a night off for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but we performed before and after. And there's really no time to fly in and fly out. So Greg, your point is well made. Your family there is truly your family. You really make connections sure. that last a lifetime. And I think as you previously stated that, you know, once you leave those ventures for a while and onto another show, onto another performance and another group of folks, when you run into folks years later, the only thing that's changed is the amount of information that there is to catch up. The emotions stay the same, the commitment. What I find so wonderful about the arts is that we tend to really invest ourselves in one another. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. So I'm very, very grateful recipient of that. Beautifully stated. Absolutely. So towards the show must go on. Both of you have some stories to tell us on how you kept it together using the arts during the pandemic that I don't even like to say out loud, but I just did. But anyway, so uh, Greg, how did you hold it together during that time? I'm going to now change my phraseology, utilizing your circus artistry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I love I love hearing the word clown. You know, I still adore it. You know, it's a, it's it's an art form, and I, I think it'll get understood again. But I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when it first hit, when things first hit and all, all, all of our jobs as entertainers just tanked overnight and everything yep. canceled, you know, every event that I had scheduled was gone. I was that summer I was scheduled in, I think, 25 libraries to do uh, my, you know, my circus science library show and <laughs> just gone overnight. Yep. So I'm sitting on the couch just pity, you know, feeling a lot, feeling very non-essential. I'm a non-essential worker. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. <laughs> and finally, about a week, uh, about a week of that went by. And I thought, well, I'm going to do a show for the neighborhood. All my stuff was in my car. So I just loaded it out the back of the car, set up in my driveway, have my neighbors come to their driveways, the end of their driveways on the cul-de-sac. And I did my circus show and the cul-de-sac circus was born. They had a great time. Everybody was safe on their driveways. They, they took a lot of pictures they posted it on Facebook and I started getting calls so I started doing cul-de-sac circuses all around in the you know Columbia area and a local news station heard of it and came and, and did a little piece on it that hit AP news because people were desperate for good news you know like here horrible stuff horrible stuff horrible stuff here's 10 seconds of something nice so uh they would put that on at the end and made AP news but everybody thought it was local so I was getting calls from Denver saying hey can you come to our you know our cul-de-sac I'm like oh, that's a little far for me right now so <laughs> that was my biggest pivot Oh, I love it. So you talk about being resilient. <laughs> that is such a great story. And Larry, I know that you had to kind of figure out what to do. So what did you do during that time? Absolutely. Well, uh, like Greg, we went virtual. At the time, I was 
artistic director with the Young Colombians. And of course, we went from having daily classes to taking classes online. And we were figuring it out in the moments that we were teaching because it was a new technology and a different approach to teaching skills for the arts. Uh, but certainly we persevered and finished out that year. And the full next year was also taught online, which morphed into the rest of my vocal coach practice. For a while, nobody was comfortable showing up. So in fact, I do have a, a virtual business that I run. I have students in many different states that I actually have never been in the same room with. It's wonderful and awful in the same moment. It's <laughs> wonderful because it provides me the opportunity to continue to connect with folks and really share my passion and hopefully help somebody take a step along the way. It's a little bit awful because I think the arts are all about connecting on a one-on-one, -on -one, yes. not necessarily virtually. Uh, there's something very, very special about being in the room that doesn't quite transfer in the exact same way in a virtual domain. So look, I'm grateful for every opportunity I get. Connecting is the key, however one can do it. And uh, I hope I can continue to do that. Oh, you will. I'm quite sure. And to your point, the arts during the pandemic, I mean, we are essential, Greg, for sure. We're essential. But the kind of things we did really kept us from being able to come together because when you're singing, you're blowing out and breathing and well, hopefully not spinning. But anyway, and you're dancing and you're touching and you're moving and you're grooving. None of that was conducive to those times. But again, resiliency is part of who we are in the arts and both of you have certainly shown that. So here's my question to both of you. So we've talked a little bit about the past and the present. So what are you looking at for the future as far as where you want to head and take all of your skills and talents? So Greg, I'll ask you first, what are you thinking about? I'm doing a lot of writing right now. Um, okay. Following still, your mom's footsteps. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm still performing full-time. It's what I do full-time. I'm not Yay. sure how long the body will allow me to do it. I always told people my my retirement is uh, is a Santa Claus suit. <laughs> so <you> know, <laughs> when I'm ready to retire, that's when I'll grow the big beard and I'll, you know, try to make a full year's salary in one one month of performing between, you know. I like but, it. No, I'm going to keep performing. There's no doubt about it. But I am doing a lot more writing now and working on a lot of fiction at the moment. But I've also had some thoughts about, and it's, it's sort of the connection thing as well, is that when I go out to eat, or when I used to, when nieces and nephews were small and they still thought I was cool, <laughs> <laughs> I, we'd go out to eat and I'd be doing little magic tricks and doing little, you know, circus tricks and little song games and improv games at the table to keep them entertained and goofing off and basically so they don't have to engage in a real adult conversation with the adults. You know, and then I, I all the time when I'm out to eat, you know, and I see people with their kids and they give them an iPad to keep them, you know, so that they have something to do so that the adults can have their conversations. I got to thinking about a book called uh, Help, They're Destroying the Restaurant. And it's just a, a book of all of those all of those things you do that I do, little magic tricks, little improv games, little story things, little things like that, all non-digital, non-electronic that you can do with your primary school age kids at the restaurant to keep them from tearing the place apart. So that's something oh. I'm thinking about. <laughs> I love it. Hurry up and write that so I can use it with my grandkids. <laughs> that's that sounds awesome. fantastic. 
this is the time when you need to say your web page so folks can write it down and visit you sometime. Sure, uh, circusgreg.com, circusgreg.com. And there's a, a writing page on that. Oh, that is great. That, that is a absolute wonderful manual. And it makes me think of your mom. And his mom wrote a book called Tickles, Snugs, Kisses, Hugs. And it was another manual on how to just have physical fun with your kids and do tricks and, and parent and child gymnastics. And so, wow, right in the path. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you, Larry? What are you looking at ahead? Well, I'm like Greg. I'm going to try and continue to perform as long as this, this body will allow me to do so and that there are kind folks with an open ear and an opportunity for me to kind of fill that void. In the meantime, I still have my vocal coach practice, which is critical to me. I get to pass on skills. I work with a lot of young performers, especially performers that are building towards a college program, trying to enter into a music theater college program. And I also work with an artist in the recording studio. There's an artist, she's a American-Ukrainian artist by the name of Kelsey Kimberlin. And I'm a producer with her in the studio twice a week. We're putting out lots of content, lots of new music, lots of videos to support that. And so that's a big focus for me. And uh, the other part is just trying to make sure that the arts are uh, a strong presence anywhere that I'm connected around. I can't really do a lot with it, but I love it so much. I just want to do my share to keep it going. So if there's anyone who's looking for a vocal coach, let me just share with you. You can mm -hmm. find me at Larry Friedman, vocalcoach.com. Yes, Carolyn, did you want to ask Larry something before we have to sign Thank out? Long in case you get to do Jesus Christ Superstar again. <laughs> well, this hair Keep has been long open. for for about 35 years now. I wave goodbye to it every day and thank it for the wonderful journey we've had together. Uh, we'll see. There might be a style change coming soon. Who knows? <laughs> hey, keep your options open. And as I always said to kids when I was directing and they got the role of Jesus in either Godspell or Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, it might not get better than this. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say my friend Ted Neely still still has his and I'm trying to hang on to mine as long as we can. We Go can still kind of get those notes out. So if somebody's going to provide an opportunity, I'll come and sing. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about both of you is that you care from the depth of yourselves, from your heart to teaching. Teaching is the core of what you do and then the performing and so forth. But you both said it in a number of ways. And I'd like to quote one of yours, uh, Greg, is when you said the little wins. And um, nowadays, now we're calling those glimmers when you get that little excitement and you start feeling good. So I mean, I think we all feel so strongly about giving kids glimmers through the arts, you know. And um, again, we're really blessed. We have something very special. And Carolyn plays a great role, as she said, in always producing and showcasing the artists. And I do want to give her one quick shout out for her beautiful, beautiful celebration last Monday. I still like to call it the labor of love, but it was a beautiful collaboration of so many artists coming together to honor Kevin McDonough. And it was wonderful. And 
throw one more shout out to that. And we're going to do a shout out to Betty May, who had so many glimmers and little wins with students. She never let a student leave her unless they felt better about themselves. And she made remarkable contributions here in Columbia and then to the women's prison where she produced a play that actually went to the Kennedy Center. She wrote books. I'm just getting ready to read one of her books called Faces. I loved my time working with her. It was so special and it afforded me the opportunity to meet Greg, you know, and then you've got Toby's. And so I've been watching and listening to you, Larry, for more times than you know, and, and, and have always deeply appreciated your talent. So we've got it together here on Razzle Dazzle. And so I am going to say happy, happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate it, celebrate it big and celebrate today and um, celebrate it with the arts. So thanks again, Greg May. And I am going to say circus artist and balloon artist and musical theater actor and so much more. Thank you, Larry, for being the greatest vocal coach, performer, producer, director, and my buddy, Carolyn, who is always the promoter. I love you guys. Happy, happy holidays until 2024. It's Razzle Dazzle Radio.